Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, Tucson. This is Dean Greenberg. This is the Money Matters Show. We're right here. 8 o'clock on 790 KNST. Glad you can join us. Glad you've been able to join us for a long time. A lot of our listeners have been listening for years and years and years. Some have been listening since the 90s. We've been doing the show uh, for 34 years now, and um, I enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it. I, I, we try to bring a little bit of uh, levity to the to the markets, uh, to investing. We talk about it from a money-managed side, a financial planning side, financial advising side. We kind of kind of give you, tell you what we're doing and how we do it and give you a little bit more insight to what things are going on. We try to take a common sense approach to it all, uh, something that nobody else seems to be doing in our political world of things. Uh, we try to understand there's two sides to stuff. We also tried to understand where there's opportunities. And um, opportunities take time to what to to actually span out, and when they do pan out, they obviously uh, do pretty well. Uh, but it's always quality that you have to look at for opportunities. This is the Money Matters Show, and as you know, it's brought to you by Greenberg Financial Group. Greenberg Financial Group is both a registered investment advisory and a broker dealer, registered with the SEC, members of SIPC and members of FINRA. On this show. We talk a lot about products, strategies, ideas. We have opinions. Everything has risk. I need you to understand that everything that you invest in, everything you do has some type of risk. Anything you do. Driving a car has risk. Everything you do. Understand the risk involved. It's no different with investing. Understand the, the risks even when things are going up. Understand... Eventually, things don't always go up, and they turn and go down, and, and once they go down, you know, they turn and go back up. So where we, that's where we're at right now. So where are we on the risk-reward strategy? Uh, we're probably about a six and a half, maybe getting closer to a seven right now on the risk, risk tolerance, 10 being the highest risk. Um, and why do I say that? I say because we just keep moving up. Prices keep moving up, uh, and they're going up in the face of our Fed Chairman Powell talking about higher interest rates. So we'll find out this week whether he says things to propel the Santa Claus rally or he ends up being the Scrooge. He talks on Wednesday. They make a decision on Wednesday. They meet on Tuesday. That will be a big decision on how uh, for investors on how he discusses things, whether or not it's the same rhetoric he's been using, higher for longer. We'll look at the data. Well, we had data. And this week, uh, the jobs report uh, showed that we have more jobs created. Uh, they thought it was going to be 190, it was uh, 199. Unemployment fell 3.7. Uh, November was only 150,000 jobs. So we're way up there from jobs. They're not decreasing, even though interest rates have gone up, even though things are slowing, people are still getting jobs. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact 
You're coming out of that pandemic that they always talk about, and people are running out of money and say, I need to get a job. I need to do something. So they keep looking for opportunities, what they can do. You know, there's in November, uh, in December, they start hiring in November for December for the Christmas season, retail especially, um, hospitality also. So you got a lot of that going on as we get through the, uh, through the end of the year. Do I think there's a big sell-off coming? No, I don't. I, I actually think we're going to stay neutral to propel a little higher. Um, I could see us getting up to 46.50, maybe stretch it to, you know, 4,700, maybe. I don't know. Um, the only thing that's going to bring it down is something that we don't expect, like Powell coming out and saying, no, I'm not lowering interest rates. In fact, I'm going to raise interest rates. If he talks like that, the markets will fall. Um, but then everyone's going to ask him, why do you say that? Why? Um, why do you need to do that? Why do you got to crash the economy? You know, and we don't. We don't. What we need to do is see our illustrious politicians do something. They need to do something other than making Fed, the Federal Reserve, always handling the monetary side of things. They need to do something on the fiscal side and start making regulations to do things that will help help bring down the, the, the inflation, help bring down the supply chain that they always use and everything else that they talk about. Obviously, when interest rates are so high, people are holding on to their low interest rates. It happens so fast. If you have a three, around a 3% mortgage, why would you get rid of your house on any level? That's, a, that's cheap compared to where we are today. It's more than double. So, of course, there's not going to be a lot of inventory, and prices are going to go higher. But that all hits a, a, a high level also. So, you know what? We've always talked about this. It's all about oil, too. Energy is the biggest proponent of, the, of inflation. Oil prices will come down. They fell another 4% this week, and then they started to turn up at the end of the week as our government starts going back in and finally refilling our strategic petroleum reserves. And then they'll drain it off again when they think they need to do that. But we need to get that back up. But, you know, if you listen this week, especially to uh, uh, President Trump talking about the uh, oil fields up by Alaska, that the Biden administration was going to allow for drilling and turned it down, it was interesting that he said there's as much oil up in there at that area, underground, than pretty much in the Middle East. So when you think about that, and you think about today's technology, why are we saying we have to go all electric? It makes no sense. That's like saying in your portfolio, just be in the Magnificent Seven, and that's all you need. Don't allocate any other way. Just stay in those high-growth tech stocks. Sure, for a while, that works great, till it doesn't. We do not have the capacity to just go all electric cars before 2030. The, the, there was all the uh, motor companies, dealerships, signing off. Sending letters to the White House, telling them they cannot move these cars at these prices. We know they're getting subsidized now. 
But now they're subsidized. They're, they're losing money over the subsidization from the government. The saturation has happened. Everyone that wants to pretty much wanted an electric car has got an electric car. The big hump is there. The big buying has already occurred. So where are they at now? Now you got cars out there that people can't afford. So do you bring down the prices and then the government says, oh, we'll subsidize you more? That means people that don't want electric cars are paying for it through their taxes to the government. How many billions of dollars have they wasted on charge stations and not even implemented it over the last couple of years in putting charge stations together? You need an infrastructure before you can have a product. It's easy in California. They'll go with anything that's, uh, you know, liberal, and they make money, and they, they, they're able to go buy them, and, it, oh, it, they makes them feel good about the way they live. That's fine. And they put a little bit of infrastructure there. But try going from California to Texas. How many days is that going to take you and with all the stops you got to make and hopefully that you find charge stations? And they tell you 350 miles that you get until you put on the air conditioner and the radio. And it's down to about 150, 170. So why don't we have gas, hybrid, and electric and let people choose? It's always interesting to me that they're all about choice, all about choice, freedom of choice, until they don't want you to choose something different than what they believe in. And it's getting worse and worse. And these politicians are getting tired and old and come up with no new ideas. It's the same old, same old, which means they stay in power over and over again with the same rhetoric. I don't know about you. I'm tired of talking about beating up wealthy people, taxing the wealthy people when they do nothing in Congress to do something to change it. I listened to Elizabeth Warren earlier in the week. She was on again. I don't know why they have her on, but she's on spewing the same crap that she always does about wealth tax. Wealth tax. You know what wealth tax is? It's what your net net worth is, and they want to tax you on that. That means unrealized gains, things that you never even sold and have no idea what the gain is. You need to get it appraised, and they'll tell you, and you're going to get taxed on it. Year after year after year. That is, they talk about pay your fair share. That ain't a fair share. That's taken from the rich, given to the poor. The rich will give to the poor. And they'll make sure they don't pay the taxes to the government. But unrealized gains? How do you do that? And then when you sell it and you got a loss, now you're going to take it as a loss? Makes no sense. All they're trying to do is crumble people that have been successful, wealthy families. I get it. Some people like that. People, you know, they don't think they, you know, what enough is enough is enough. You know, these people that are billionaires, they, they didn't plan out to be a billionaire. 
They became billionaires because whatever they were doing took off. Because people like you and I wanted their products, wanted their ideas, wanted their the buy from their companies, and their stock rose because the company kept making money and they had millions and millions of shares, and that's why they become multi billionaires. You think Jeff Bezos thought that he was gonna be worth the money he is? Or Elon Musk or Bill Gates? They, they started different type of companies. One's a tech company. Think about that. Elon Musk thinks outside the box. He's got spaceships. He's got electric cars. He's got battery companies. He's got this boring company. He's got so much. He doesn't look in there, how much money can I make off this stuff? He creates ideas that people want from his company. He owns the shares. They go higher. The only person that really ever made money off of people like you and I, same way as stocks, was Warren Buffett. I don't hear people saying, oh, Warren Buffett, we should take money from him. He's too rich. He made money in stocks, buying companies, the same companies that everybody complains about, insurance companies, banks. These people that put themselves on the line, you think, you think Bill Gates ever thought that working out of his garage with the software for Microsoft to come to what it is? But you know what? They did a great job, and, they, and the people that succeeded in them did a great job, and they have a product that everyone in the world needs. That's technology. Amazon. I don't think half the, half the world can live without Amazon. We've gotten so used to ordering something and having it there in two days. And then, and then with, with uh, Eli Musk and all these different companies. That's how they get rich like that. It's not because they're getting a paycheck and they're getting paid more. All right? So if you want to change the way the people like Warren Buffett and the hedge fund people and these people making hundreds of millions of dollars a year and paying only long-term gains and less... Change the rules. Don't spoo out that they need to pay and get wealth tax and this and that, Warren. You guys had opportunities to change it, and, and, and actually it was cinema that decided against it, and they had to scrap it. Because hedge funds... They get they look at it as a fund, they, and when they get money, uh, the way they earn their money is putting it into the shares. They get more shares, and the next thing you know, they sell the shares as long-term capital gains instead of 35 40%. That's how they save money. Okay. That's a good thing. Change it if you don't like it. Real estate. People make and complain about real estate. All these real estate people making millions and millions of dollars. Of course you're not going to change it because they give you so much money. But the depreciation and everything else. But that's what you need. You need people to invest. Who's going to do that? People take chances and they use it as the guidelines. If you wanted to change something, you know, with step-up basis and all that stuff, look at it. But don't decide that you're going to just go ahead and tax people. Elizabeth Warren's been on this kick forever, you know, and you know that they, they never want to do a flat tax because obviously a flat tax would not go over well with them. 
All right, because the people that give them their donations don't want to probably have a flat tax because they would pay more. So they'll pay millions to go ahead and pay no taxes. Sell the idea. And then you have Congress. And I'm going to give Congresswoman Stefanik a lot of credit. I listened to her the other day go against all three of the presidents, Penn and Harvard. I forgot the other one. About the way their students are acting on their campuses and how they won't go ahead and say that's basically hate speech. When they, they're chanting genocide to the Jews, destroy the Jews, wipe out the Jews, take back Israel. You know what? These presidents became political, and they started saying, nobody should have hate speech. Nobody should be doing this. We don't condone that. We don't do this. Well, you don't condemn it because you've allowed it on your campuses. You've allowed signs. You've allowed chants. You've allowed protests basically saying genocide to the Jews. You've been there allowing them to back up Palestine, Hamas without the separation between the Palestinian people and the terrorist group called Hamas. Hamas is the government that's running the Palestinians, who the Palestinian people have not up, had an uprise against and allowed them, as terrorists, to kill all the Jews. But because the Jewish people of Israel have fought back in a manner that can wipe out Hamas, and unfortunately, a lot of Palestinian innocent people will be killed. They want to genocide the Jews. And the people on the campuses, are the presidents, are not condoning it. I have no idea if the presidents are anti-Semites or not. Obviously, you put one and one together, you say they're anti-Semites. That's not what I believe. I, I think that the presidents of universities are so weak and kowtowing to the media that they cannot come out with a straight answer and not allow that to happen. Could you imagine if the same thing happened with, with another race, blacks, Asians, or whatever? They would never allow them to protest. Never allowing the protest, and they shouldn't be allowed to protest against a race, a color uh, of people. But for some reason, I don't know what people think Jews are, but they are people. Yes, it's a religion too. Jewish is a religion. But Jews are people. No different than blacks. No different than Asians. No different than Hispanics. And no different than white. But, you know, the only two people that they can go ahead and, and, and protest against are whites and Jews. Maybe it's because Jews are whites. I have no idea. I, I, I filled in last week uh, for uh, uh, Gary Lewis's show, and one of the things I asked is, why do people hate Jews? People couldn't come up with a real answer. But so for some reason, on these college campuses, if they're protesting against Jews, which is basically 
protesting against America for helping Israel and helping them defend themselves, that's not okay. And something's got to change. And what they say is, well, it's not what they say, it's the conduct of the people. So in other words, you've got to kill Jews to stop the, the, the protests that they want to kill Jews? That makes no sense to me. And to most people, it doesn't. But they are weak. These presidents are weak because they can't stand up and say, no, we are not going to allow you to protest where you're calling for the death of anybody. And in this case, you're calling for the death of all the Jews, and we are not going to let you protest and put up those signs. If you want to to talk about peace, if you want to talk about stuff, that's fine. But when, as soon as you step over the line and start talking about hatred and killing a whole nationality because they're defending themselves, we as the president, uh, president is not going to allow that at our universities. And if, they were, if that was what everyone wanted, they wouldn't be losing all these donations and all this money and the people wouldn't be there. And how the media is allowing this to happen is in incredibly irresponsible. What the schools need to do is actually teach these students on how to protest proactively in a manner that they're not just destroying and putting out there to kill Jews or Asians or whoever they're going against. Without the backlash of people coming in and saying, You're going to go ahead and talk about killing me? I'm going to wipe you out first. That's what's going to happen. Okay? If they continue to let this happen, there's going to be another group on the other side that's going to come in and destroy them. We don't don't let uh, the white supremacists say they hate Jews or blacks or anything else, but we don't, let's just deal, deal with the Jews here. We do not let them talk about how they want to kill the Jews. Hell no. If a, uh, if a white supremacist went ahead and said that, they're in trouble. But for some reason, we're letting students on campus be able to protest against that. And we constantly put in more and more of these gender-type classes and, 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 and race classes and all these other things rather than teaching them how to, how to actually learn. And I've told you this, and it scares me that we have the power people coming out of these Ivy League schools who end up becoming the politicians of power in our country. And if this is the way they think now, why are they going to change their mind in 10 or 20 or 30 years? They're not. They're not. And maybe this opens the eyes to corporations and everybody else realizing that these kids, now they are so many generations down, a bunch of spoiled brats, with a lot of money that just want to go ahead and cut down America. They've got the power because they have money. That needs to change. Look for your best opportunities. Stop saying that everyone has to get in there because we have to, we have, to have certain races and certain things and I'm able to give opportunities to the people that are willing to make the opportunities. Hell, school is so easy now. If you can't get over 3.0, 3.5 in school, that means you're lazy and you're not learning. And if you have a learning disability, they're going to help you. Schools aren't tough anymore. 
Laws aren't tough anymore. Rules aren't tough anymore. Everybody keeps changing it. What we need to do to get America strong again is stop allowing those inside keep eating us away. We got to stop protests against each other. We got to stop protests against racing, uh, races. We got to stop this again. You wouldn't let white supremacists be there. Why are you letting the people, that, these youth of America uh, in uh, colleges, stand up and do this? And, of course, it's all the liberals' colleges, all the liberal cities, and where they're going to take America from there. There's a problem, people, because there's a, it's a smaller group of people that are going against the rest of America of what their beliefs are. If not, the money that's coming out and not getting donated to these schools is in the hundreds of billions of dollars probably by now. But the schools don't care because they have these incredible endowments. And the parents that send their kids, they have all this money because they think they're special and they think they can do everything. And look at all the cheating that went on with Hollywood, the hypocrites of Hollywood, to get their kids into these schools. Level out the playing field. Those that earn it, get it. The rest of you, stop protesting and start getting tough enough to realize that America is the best country in the entire world. We'll be back. It's the Money Matters Show. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Money Matters Show right here, 790 KNST. We got Dave Sherwood, Dylan Greenberg, Todd Glick, and myself, Dean Greenberg, bringing you the best of the ability to what's going on. Absolutely. Another little down week. Not, uh, up week, I mean. Six in a row. Yes. Yeah, you know, the, uh, uh, what's what's six in a row? Six up weeks in a row for the S&P 500. That's correct. Six up weeks in a row. Oh, right. It took six up weeks in a row to get back to where we were in July. 0.2%. Yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> uh, the Dow, did you see the Dow? The Dow was up three points. I know. <laughs> for the week. But nonetheless, a sixth consecutive week of gains. Yep, right and back a, to the peak, like you said. A new 52-week we high for the S&P 500, new 52-week high for the Dow. Uh, Goldilocks is alive and well. Yeah. Everything is just right. Except uh, for quick valuations. Take a, quick take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out this week. How much power likes where we're at. It's going to be very important what the chairman and his group think about what's happening. I mean, everyone keeps thinking that we're going to have lower interest rates next year. I, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see but it. But they keep talking about it. All, yeah. And I'm like, where does this come from? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You cut interest rates under one circumstance. You have a disaster in the economy and you've got to protect it. Yeah, it's not good. Right. It's not good. And if that happens, the markets are going down. Right. Or if you have GDP, you know, not being positive for two consecutive quarters, possibly three, that's another sign that you need to cut rates because you don't have activity in your country. We've had that. They didn't cut rates. We had it barely. Yeah. And that was last year. And we talked about that. (laughs) That that was was when they were in their rate hiking cycle. Exactly. So that's not always true because we were doing that. They were raising rates. They were hoping that we'd get a slowdown. But somehow the economy has not slowed down because people still spend money. Where's this money coming from? Well, well, we know where the money's coming from. It's all in the cash position. Everyone has huge cash positions. So they're they're taking from their investments then? Well, a lot of people had increased savings from the pandemic. Okay. So cash levels were at an all-time high during the pandemic. So they're taking from the savings, which is scary. It's cutting down. Credit cards are going higher. Yes. Okay. Most people's credit cards that don't pay them off every month because most people can't do that keep creeping up, not only because of buying stuff and doing things, 
but because it, the interest is 15, 20, 25%. Yeah, you know, credit card debt is, is at record highs. Uh, the, t- the title loan business is booming. The pawn shop business is booming. But I don't think that is the money that's fueling the market, Dean. So your question is an interesting one. Um, I, I, There's um, still all-time highs in, in money market funds held currently. Really? So in this just a lot of because you're getting five percent now, right? So okay, true. and it's hard to take the risk to get all, if you can get five percent in some of these money market funds and the migas and all this other stuff to go do anything. Yeah, but what you could be seeing right now is that they do have the money in the money markets, but it is like Dave just said, the FOMO fear of missing out for the Santa Claus rally in November and January is historically a good month as well. Yeah. So that's what maybe is fueling the market right now is that money that's on the side is now being put to work so they don't miss out. $72 billion was inflowed to equities in November. So that money market is well, probably going down. The market was also low in October. Right. But and I don't know as that, that rally increased through though, November, people got the FOMO. Because here's the problem. What makes stocks go higher? Money. Money. New money. Not the old money. Otherwise, you see what happens is the Dow will go up, the Dow will sell off, and that money will go into uh, 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 NASDAQ. Then NASDAQ goes up, NASDAQ will sell off, and then the Dow and S&P will go up. So it's just a rotation of, say, money. For the markets to go up and make new highs, more people need to be committed with new money. The only time new money comes in is like January through basically April with all the uh, the money coming in. There the is new money, price. though, because the Federal Reserve has not been as restrictive on their balance sheet that they said they ha- they would be. And a lot of that has to do with shoring up the regional banks. They are still lending a lot of money to the regional banks to shore up that they have a lot of unrealized losses on all their securities positions. The same thing that happened back in March on their treasuries. So the regional banks are still taking a lot of money from the Fed, and that's where the new money could be coming yeah, from. But the Fed might have unrealized losses on the Treasury, but it doesn't matter. No, they regional banks have the unrealized right. losses. And so the Fed's giving the regional banks the money to shore up that collateral issue. We saw the... Uh, yeah. So, uh, I just I, Lending uh, it, maybe. Yeah. But then it becomes a... It's, it's a window. A liability to them. Because the Fed just created that new tool in March to in response to the, the banking crisis. I was thinking during the week, we talked about the PCE last week, right? And it struck me that that the PCE, the uh, personal consumption uh, expenditures, right, and which, mm-hmm. is, which yep. is the Fed's favorite number, was up two-tenths of a percent for October. Mm-hmm. And you multiply that times 12, that's 2.4. What the Fed wanted to be, two. I mean, you're there. Yeah. You're there. You're essentially there. It just seems like they would be holding until something really – big happens right why would they be so quick to cut rates when they can just keep them here because you like you said dave we have this goldilocks scenario right now what would cause them to really want to cut and then the last comments we had out of powell during this past week was i'm gonna have to raise them i might have to raise rates again so yeah. there, there's no talk about cutting what do you mean there's well, no talk that's all you no, no no no, 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 no. there's talk from uh, everywhere from Powell, else right. but that's what he wanted but not to shut. from the people that actually make the decisions Powell wanted to shut that down real quick because everybody was being optimistic about rate cuts coming next year and he wanted to shut that down i, I mean, mean that's why he, i think he went to the other end of the pendulum saying we might raise rates he did the same thing in jackson hole mm-hmm. right oh, about True. a year ago True. and then the markets sold off it was one of the biggest drops for the S&P in a single day in, in years because of that. So that could be a setup for what he's trying. The markets have rallied. In October, the market did the work for Powell, right? Now right. the market's against Powell here. So Powell may say, you know, you guys have gone up too fast. Our, our big num- uh, number of the month, uh, as far as we're concerned, right next week on the 12th, uh, the uh, CPI, and on the 13th, uh, the PPI. 
uh, next week. So uh, something to watch for. Uh, on the, the 14th, we get retail sales. So a few things in the Fed talk next week, Dean. There's some stuff coming up next week that could move the market. Yeah. Uh, I am I guess uh, as someone with 42 years of experience at this, my biggest concern right now is, is just it is so complacent. Mm. The market's going higher. Had a technical analyst on. She thinks it's going to be another, what, 4 or 5% higher by the end of the year. Well, that's two weeks away or three weeks away. I mean, are you serious? Yeah. Um, and the VIX index, I think Sebastian said it was at a two-year low? Lowest since 2020, January. The lowest since 2020. January. VIX being the fear index. The fear yeah. index. And when markets get this complacent, it, it's not good. It's not good. So um, I will say it's Goldilocks scenario. I understand why the market's happy. I understand why it's content, um, but just way too much complacency. Well, you all saw that in the bond market, and they responded. The inversion actually increased this week based on the jobs report, and it's now about 50 basis points. And last week it was about 44. So the market is not really thinking that the bond market doesn't like the, la- the last jobs report that came out on Friday. I mean, did we talk about the, the jobs report, how it came out, the unemployment ticked down from 3.9 to 3.7. Average hourly earnings came in a little hotter than expected, but the, the market really shrugged, shrugged off the report, opened lower, but finished higher. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? it, it uh, the jobs report came out hotter than expected. Interest rates jumped up for the first time in quite a while, and the market initially sold off and then screamed to a new 52-week high. So it, it, it uh, you know, interest rates have really dropped since the ten twenty three peak. Yeah, uh, the ten year treasury has gone from uh, five to four point two. Todd, I think you mentioned uh, mortgage rates this yeah. week. Yeah, seven point zero two, lowest since October. Lowest since October. Uh, yeah. Sorry, August. I don't know. Okay, why. that makes more August. sense. August. Yeah, so four yeah. month low. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, oil below seventy dollars this past week for the first time uh, since July. Yeah. yeah After ended, production cuts. Yeah, and that ended the week down four and a half percent too. I mean, yeah. it got back over seventy. It ended at seventy one twenty, but yeah, still got under seventy for the first time in a while. Does he gold this week? Gold, gold. got hammered. hammered. Down seventy one dollars, back to yeah. two thousand dollars. Now, of course, that's a tick up in the dollars part of that. And we talked about it last week. It was the fourth time it hit that that zone of the. It was basically now a quadruple top, and uh, it actually screamed higher over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Monday it just sold off big time, and then it continued selling off throughout the week. How about Bitcoin? It's been just insane. Bitcoin above forty thousand for the first time in quite a while. Trading at like forty four thousand now. Had Is like forty four now. Yeah, oh, it was, Friday it was, it was up eleven percent this week if you include the weekends. What was um, the on time high in Bitcoin? Sixty eight thousand. Sixty eight. Sixty eight. Yeah, that's the first time in 19 months it's been above 40. Yeah, it's it's very interesting space right now, and um, you have a lot of inflows in the digital assets. It's not just Bitcoin. You can see Ethereum. You can see all the. You know, you're going to hear a lot of advertisements start. You're going to. It's like gold. You know, when when things like that start to really take off, do not go for the really risky stuff. Like this is. I, I is still it, can't figure out what makes Bitcoin go up and down. <laughs> Somebody you know, on the other end is willing to pay the forty-four thousand. Yeah, I don't, but it, it seems manipulated to me. It we, just uh, does. We can have a talk later. I don't care. <laughs> it just seems. Well, Jamie Dimon said he'd shut the whole darn thing down. Yeah. Of course, he's a banker. <laughs> president, yeah, the president of JP Morgan. But you know, of course, the there's opportunities <laughs> to buy. Remember what was it? Two years. Years ago, <laughs> Boeing was at ninety nine dollars, ninety eight dollars, right. and now it's two forty five or something. Right? You yeah. know, when everyone thought that wouldn't work, it's like I keep saying, buy good companies like that. So I look around and you see what companies are down there. Like Target went down all the way down to what one 
110, I think it was, 111. It's about uh, back down, back up to 135. Raytheon dropped down to the low 70s, back into the 80s, probably going to, over time, could move up higher. But people don't give those time. There's always opportunities in these good companies that produce things that we need that if you buy them when they get just whacked out for whatever reason, you wait two, three, four years and they do a good job coming back. We're talking you. Disney too. I mean, that was down that's in the another. 70s, that's the other value back one, pushing yeah. almost to a hundred sometimes. Right. I mean, at its highs, it was at one fifty plus. Yeah, we're coming upon it. We're coming. Up, I'm sorry, Dylan. We're coming on a break here, but I've got more about we'll that when you come break. back. Yeah, yeah, more after the break because I've got one. something really kind of interesting about. You that know, it's funny it. when somebody interrupts and they say, "I'm sorry, I'm interrupting." Are they sorry or they wanted to interrupt? Interrupt and say goodbye to everybody. We I'm have a break. I'm so sorry, Dean. I'm so, <laughs> Dean, I'm so sincerely we'll sorry. We'll be right back. It's the Money Matters Show. We do love each other. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This is Dean Greenberg bringing you the Money Matters Show with Dave and Dylan and Todd. So we got three new companies going into the S&P 500 as of 1218 this year you got uber jbl and builders first source they are replacing sealed air alaska air group and solar edge technologies which got hammered that's a solar company that just got absolutely killed obliterated yeah yep so they're coming out and uber was the largest company ranked by the market cap at 116 billion that was not in the s&p 500 so far so to qualify for s&p 500 to meet the criteria you got to have a certain market cap, which is greater than $14.5 billion, which is a lot smaller than I thought it'd be. The value of the market cap traded annually. At least a quarter of the million of the shares traded in each of the previous six months. Most of its shares in public hands and had its IPO at least one year earlier. So there's certain okay. criteria. So sometimes that's why these big companies that come out don't automatically just get into the S&P 500. But Uber's really come back. It's made a strong comeback. Oh, yeah. Dean brought up something in the last segment that I thought was kind of interesting, and I had a little bit about that, too. Dean, you said that uh, talked about Boeing, and in 21, Boeing was the worst performing stock. In 22, it was one of the best. In 22, the worst performing stock, Salesforce.com, and in 23, one of the best. Uh, I noticed that uh, CVS is down 30% year-to-date versus a 46% decline for Walgreens. CVS opened 3% higher on Tuesday after raising guidance from jumping the dividends, but Walgreens had a little reaction. However, the next day, Walgreens did rally to the highest level in three weeks, gained ground again on Thursday to the highest level in two months, finished the week up 11.4%. The worst-performing stock in the Dow this year, without a doubt, Walgreens. And I don't know why I'm so infatuated with this stock, other than you seldom see a Dow stock plunge like this and not come back. Uh, full disclosure, we do not have a single share of Walgreens in any of our managed accounts. But it's intriguing. You've got an 11% pop off the bottom. It has a dividend. Uh, with, with the rally, the dividend's gone from nine and three quarters down to eight and a half. <laughs> but it's an eight and a half percent dividend. Based upon earnings estimates for next year, they should be able to keep the dividend. Uh, and you just keep waiting for the next shoe to drop. What is going on here? But if uh, 2023's uh, Boeing, 2023's salesforce.com might just be Walgreens. It's tough, though, if you live in Tucson and you want to look at Walgreens because all I see around town is just Walgreens closing. You see, you know the shape of the building and what it looks like. And if you lived here for a while, you've seen them. And now they're just empty. 
Right. And CBS that, is opening new ones, but Walgreens seems to be going out in Tucson. I don't know about No, Walgreens was early on get me out of the difficult areas where there's a lot of theft. You know, Target closed down, what, uh, seven or eight stores in Northern California due to that. And, and Walgreens was ahead of that game. They were, they were uh, a couple, two, three years ago, they, they started closing stores where the, uh, the theft rate was so high that it was difficult to be profitable. And I think that's what's what's going on there. I've I've not seen any of the Walgreens stores in in good areas closed down. Maybe maybe I'm missing something. But, um, but saying Tucson's not a good area. The the, the whole city, it's a right? Part of town. The whole city. Hey, yeah, I just noticed. I it. saw something on climate change. You know, we hear about climate change all the time. Carbon emissions may or may not be the problem, Dean. Get this: since 2000, 20 years, twenty three years, right? Carbon emissions in the United States have dropped by 10%. Carbon emissions in Europe have dropped by 16%. Good news, right? However, China and India. In India, emissions have risen 165%, and in China, they've doubled. In a period where we've cut 10%, they've seen emissions double. And we talked on on this show uh, a few months ago about China has more coal-fired generating plants approved for construction than exist in the United States. Yeah. I mean, so they're I 25% of the world, India and China. I don't know how you're going to fight this battle all by yourself, but I think this is what struck me. Next time someone mentioned climate change, I think the appropriate response is, yes, those damn Chinese. <laughs> I mean, well, what else can you do? I mean, it's, it's, you, you, you can't fight this alone. And you don't need to fight it alone. You got to take a different tax and stop being the people that say we're gonna we're gonna clean everything up, but we won't do it for anyone else. Let's come with a compromise where everybody, whatever you're doing, you tell me with today's technology, you can have much cleaner coal-fired plants. Of course, you can. Or nuclear, if we just stopped well, being scared of that word. Too. You know, we know that's a superior energy source that we just for some reason don't want to get behind. Yeah, it, it's, it is a it is interesting because there are there are countries in the world whose main power source is nuclear, and then they're just fine. Yep, uh, we just can't seem to get our hands around it for whatever reason. Bernstein came out. They said your best uh, uh, long idea, the best stock to buy in twenty twenty four is Amazon, and the best stock to short is Tesla. Hmm. <laughs> a price target on I Tesla. I wouldn't short Tesla. They have a, <laughs> I mean, even if it goes down, I wouldn't short Tesla because let's face it, guys. Um, there's some reason it's like a cult somehow, some way that stock always seems to be rise up from the ashes. It does. It does. It's, it's, it's one it, of the only profitable EV companies. Yeah. And it's only, even with the ones, the traditional car companies, they're losing a ton of money on EVs, their sectors. So that's why it's always coming back. And you have the added extra bonus of the chargers, which is really what's bringing them a lot of income. There will be a time though. Okay. And Dave can relate to this, that the major company, like you said, you'll go in. Well, like if you're going to buy three companies today, the biggest companies, which ones would they be? Apple, Amazon, uh, Microsoft. Right. Apple, Amazon, or, And, and NVIDIA's up there too, but. No, but those three. Those okay, three right? You got to use them. We all use them. It's all part of it, our lives. That's it. One day they're going to be just like IBM. Cisco and Intel. You get so big. Okay. Yeah. Making so much money, but no growth. Right. It's part of the cycle. Yes. They're, it's just part of the cycle. And IBM's at the end of their cycle, and that's why they're not at growth anymore. Back in the 90s, they were huge growth, just like 90s. you always say. How about the 80s? Well, the, the, <laughs> real, the real risk to an the Apple is what happened to Intel. 
right? Because the technological revolution, Intel was on the front cusp of it. They benefited a lot from it. And then they really kind of just didn't do anything for a long time. And the reason being is they weren't up to date with the new technology that was bringing the world forward. So it's, it's not just that, you know, Apple has to, they can continue to grow as long as they adapt and change as the years go on. It's going to be, uh, but you have too. done this. Yeah. But remember the stock you would always buy nothing else. What's the best stock to buy? IBM. Sure. Exactly. IBM, IBM, IBM. But that's not in this. I'm saying, I'm, what I'm trying to say is and we're Apple, not in the same revolution i'm thinking okay yeah but and what i'm saying is what you're saying about apple is what we said about ibm i was in this business in the 1980s and there was a client who sat at my desk and, and apple had just come out and he said you know that uh, that symbol uh, apple with the with the bite out of it he goes ibm's gonna eat the whole apple what right. i said so that you know was the mindset went out of business right that yeah. was the mindset yeah yeah that was the mindset yeah, yeah you, has, you never know but i mean also there's gonna be companies that come out of nowhere like the dot-com bubble you had companies that made it through it and exploded like amazon kind of came out around there google came out around then when they ipo'd you have companies that come ipo around now that are be doing ai stuff and that are companies that you're not going to know now but 20 years from now you're going to say dang i wish i got right. it back then because but it's unknown companies but it's the ai revolution that's going to be happening in well, 20 years i think right and you don't have to catch it in the in the infant stage you got to catch it in their like elementary stage and teenage stage be- before they become adults. Mm-hmm. We had a client today or on Friday that was talking about um, they owned Apple stock, but when um, Steve Jobs died, her husband convinced her to sell it. And she was like, uh, okay, okay, at $20 a share. That's what her unit cost was. They sold it. I think she made some money, she said, but um, obviously that was eight years ago. A lot different if she just held it. And that was in like a growth stage you didn't know because once Steve Jobs died, you didn't know what was going to happen. But it was in a growth stage that was kind of, in a sense, elementary from what they've done now. Well, that's my point. You'll have an opportunity. You don't have to go with all these newsletters and all these things that are out there. Try to find that stock that's 3 $4 out there that's going to be the next Amazon or the next Apple or the next thing. Let them mature. Let them become something. You had many opportunities to buy Apple over the last 10 years. That would have made you... Tons of money. I, I do think <laughs> there are things with the Apple product, the iPhone. It takes so many products that used to be traded companies and are no longer. For example, your camera that you used to buy, the company that used to make them, like I, what are they? Um, the camera company? Nikon. No. Or Nokia. No, no it was Nokia. It was- Whatever. The idea is you have calculators. A company used to make calculators. They don't. No one buys Kodak. Exactly. That was what it was Kodak. So. Your camera, your camera is now in your iPhone. Right. Apple took that market share away from Kodak. Okay. The calculator, Apple took. And what are you the trans, they are coming out with more and more. They just came out with this Translate product. Fantastic. Anyone who has a Translate product, your company's done because okay, it's now so an Apple saying? for this free. Is they, are they are constantly so involving IBM. more and more products. Their, their portfolio of products is so much more vast than the old people i mean google they have they're making cars they're making phones they're making the search engine they have youtube i'm not if saying continue, apple's going anywhere in the next 5 10 15 no, no, no. years oh. it took ibm what uh, uh, dave 80s 90s 2001 2008 probably 15 about 15 years ago so yeah but okay yeah. But on todd's That's point, li- yeah. on todd's point apple's coming out with watches with cars with virtual reality okay. they're getting into everything that's going forward so that's how they're expanding. That's how they're able to keep up with this growth and stay the largest company for the fifth year in a row because they're evolving with it. IBM didn't do that. 
Yeah, and they also they have to what they yeah. did, and they kept doing what they did. And that's what Intel did too. And exactly. That's why they Listen, died in the sense of Nvidia. I'm not saying Apple's going away. IBM didn't go away. What I'm saying, it becomes a time that the growth there, and IBM doesn't grow as much as Nvidia grew today. And I think that's because. IBM did not make the specific investment they should have 20 years ago, and they had plenty of money to do it. Same way with Intel. Things change. You'll see. We're just saying, <laughs> if you evolve like Apple is continuing to evolve, uh, 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 just stay, uh, That's fine. I get it, guys. All I'm trying to give you is some wisdom from Dave and I that things in 15, 20, 25 years are different than, than what you're from. looking at today. And if you can get on board with the AI companies that get into the teenage-type years of their growth and ride that through their maturity into their old age. That's like fine. Like NVIDIA. They're still, listen, I still think Apple's a young adult. I think Microsoft's an older adult. That's how I look at it. We'll be back. It's the Money Matters Show. It's the old guys teaching the young guys that everything isn't the same over time. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Money Matters Show. I'm Dylan Greenberg. I'm here with Dean Greenberg, Dave Sherwood, and Todd Glick. Pretty flat week, but it was a six-week positive in a row. The Dow was actually flat. The S&P 500 was up 0.2%. And to clarify, that was the sixth week in a row for the S&P to be up. The NASDAQ was up 0.7%. The Russell 2000 was up 1%. And the RSP, the equal weighted S&P, was up 0.1%. The Dow was up three points for the week. (laughs) The S&P was up 10 points, and the NASDAQ was up 99. So nothing really happened, but, I mean, it was at least in the right direction. If we say above 4,600, we could be looking at about 4,675, yeah. 46, 4,700. Let's put it that way. But technically, an analyst on CNBC on Friday said 4,750 yeah. year-end. If yeah. Powell says what we want him to say, yeah, well, I can't see how that won't be the case. But if Powell, but Powell – says we're raising rates they're out of their mind with that no chance yeah yeah boom boom you're going to see a 30 45 on it pretty quickly that would not be a good thing probably 44 50 yep yeah that would not be a good thing you want a fun fact sure i'm talking about fun facts sure you better have a fun fact i do a couple of fun fun. this is fun okay you know warren buffett has lived in the same house in omaha nebraska for 65 years one of the wealthiest men on the planet Mm -hmm. same house he paid $3,500 for it. Drives the same car, too. 65 years ago. He's recently deceased. What, what's it worth now? I don't know. I, he's probably made some improvements, you think? <laughs> Maybe. He probably put a new floor down. I, it's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Okay, so 3500 is probably worth three fifty now. Yeah, it's, you can't even imagine. No, okay. it's a 6,000-square-foot house. Oh, is it? Or 4,000. Yeah. But it's in, it's it's in, in Omaha, Nebraska. Nebraska. Omaha. I guess it would be 700000 His recently deceased partner, Charlie Munger, Lived in the same house in California for seventy years, yeah. which is kind of funny though, because they have a left. yeah, yeah, but <laughs> they own they both own you know have an ownership in Berkshire Hathaway right. and that owns properties. So like yeah, they live in their own, but they have a pretty big portfolio of properties. Oh yeah, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's but, ironic but, is what I'm Charlie saying. Charlie died at ninety nine, which means the home he bought when he was twenty nine. Yeah, he still lived in right when and he it, died. Yeah, it's just that ironic, mind boggling, isn't it? Yeah, they don't do it for themselves, but they'll do it for business. Crazy. Here's another. <laughs> well, what's crazy is they were the wealthiest people that led the cheapest life. Mm. I mean, I mean, I'm sure they gave money to people and did things, okay, you know, charities and sure. stuff, but they never enjoyed life with it. Well, I don't know about that. Ah, come on. They were value investors. I think Dean's right here. When you have a value, you everything is based on value, and everybody, every decision you make is value. 
everybody's uh, opinion of what enjoying life is is different. Dave, yeah, you've a, lived in three houses. That's a fair point. That's a fair and point. And you have nowhere near the money that Warren Buffett has. No. <laughs> I've lived okay. in a lot more than three houses. Okay. At the end of the day, okay, you th- being cheap, you think it's being frugal and stuff, not realizing as you do things and buy things or build things, you're also creating jobs for people. Yeah. Well, then I, they've, I think they've created a lot of jobs for people. They own a lot of companies. They've started They didn't those. create those jobs. No, th- they didn't create those jobs. They bought those companies to make money, period. They didn't create yeah, jobs. They, In fact, they probably laid people off. They didn't create jobs for Apple. They just bought a lot of Apple stock. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true there. Yeah. But I think some of the things they did Berkshire. Maybe the ones they've, they did Berkshire. Berkshire pretty, they've created that. Berkshire. They built that. That's yeah, the main one. They built that one. But it, no. like talking about that, Warren Buffett is giving away 99% of his wealth when he passes away. I don't yeah. know what Charlie Munger decided to do. Him and what Gates and some yeah, other. They, give, so they I mean, all he have that agreement. He's giving away 99 of it. They have interesting personal life. Charlie Munger, I think, had nine kids and mm. uh, two or three wives. Warren Buffett's wife has lived in California for 50 years. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. 50? Charlie Munger's yeah. value. Oh, yeah, they have not lived together. She yeah. hasn't lived together in decades. I know that. So then you can say that's why he has no money to spend because she was spending it all. That could be. She has we don't, we don't know what, we don't know how she lives, right? We don't know. But how. seriously, I mean, I know everyone praises him. That's not the style I wanted. That, what kind of relationship it does? What kind of life is that? No, it's your wife unusual. is here. You're here. We're your kids. You never see anything about his kids. It's unusual. You know what I mean? There's more to life than just all that money. Believe me, it's like everyone that wins the lottery. Not everyone, but a lot of people that win the lottery destroys their life but you see that with greatness across the board i mean with michael jordan he was not good at a lot of other personal things right but he was the best basketball player of all time he's also a great business person well, a, a terrible gambler a degenerate no, when he's it comes, not terrible he lost a lot why is he terrible he, he, do you know the stories he used to bill, he's worth billions he's l- never loses him and barkley don't lose more than they they, they can afford it's it's, it's fun to it's them. them gambling a hundred thousand on the golf course is a lot different to michael jordan than like a normal, like me. Okay, you can l- just watch 30 for 30s about Jordan's gambling. It, it's pretty impressive, so don't get me no, started. He, he's but he's the awesome. point, but Dean, the him. point is greatness takes all of your attention. And meaning, if you want to be the best at something, you really got to put everything towards just that. And you're not going to spend time on other things in life, like Charlotte, personal. The Charlotte Hornets for $4 billion. It's basketball. Yeah. Just like he was great at playing. He but great he was running playing. the team. He's he a the great businessman. He's true. a multi-billionaire. Don't tell me what that he, he wasn't great at what what he did. Not everything, because you you when don't you understand. Spend, you're never going to be great at anything if you're going to be great. That's what I'm literally lose. saying, Dean. That's okay, what my okay, point was. Okay, okay. All right. Okay. So here's another fun All fact. Right, we need to keep moving. Goodness right gracious. Along. Let me give you another fun fact. Maybe take your mind off this this hatred. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, <Yeah. laughs> these are two really good buddies that just haven't had it. Uh, last day of this year. Pretty special. What's yeah. the last day of this year? One, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah. Very good, Dylan. Yeah. One, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah. Last, how, can they, how can the year not end well when the last day is one, two, three, one, two, three? <laughs> we got to put on Michael Jackson. One, two, three, one, two, three. 1231, one, two, three. No, no, it, it, Michael Jackson. Yeah. A, B, C. It's easy as one, two, three. <laughs> that, that's, that's the new. 31. Dean's got to write this down. Yeah, Dean. 12, 31, <laughs> 23. Yeah. 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3. Yeah. You want to write it down for you, Dean? There you go. 1, 2, 3. Okay. 1, 2, 3. There you go. Going back to stocks and going back to companies and big companies <laughs> that continue to grow in different ways. It was a fun fact. But going back to companies that we're talking about continue to grow with the new things coming out. Google just 
released Gemini, which is their most capable AI model to compete with ChatGPT, which is owned by Microsoft for the most part. It'll include three different sizes, Gemini Ultra, Gemini Pro, and Gemini Nano. Gemini Ultra is their largest, most capable category, and the other ones just offer a little less um, aspects to it. But Google is planning to license Gemini to customers through Google Cloud for them to use in their own applications. Gemini will also be used to power, which tries to answer the search queries with uh, conversational style text. So you're going to be able to use it like on your phone, on your computer, but you're going to be in a sense like lease it out, and that's how they're going to monetize it. Kramer was out in uh, Silicon Valley this past week, Jim Kramer, and uh, he came back and his take was that the company that is monetizing AI the best right now is Microsoft. Mm. Yeah. Well, they're ahead of it, the game. Yeah. But this is Google's competition to it, to chat GPT. Have you guys been watching what's going on with Tesla over in Sweden? No. no, they're 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 trying to they're trying to unionize, right? Their workers mm. in in Sweden are trying to unionize, and they they've now garnered support from the postal workers who refuse to deliver license plates. Mm. <laughs> and and, and last week, the dock workers refusing to unload Tesla cars. They they've got about sixty percent. What's the reason? Sixty percent. Well, because the Tesla workers want to unionize. And Tesla's fighting them, and the Postal Service now won't deliver license plates. The dock workers won't unload the Tesla cars because 60% of blue-collar workers in Sweden are union. So they're all getting it. Musk is sued, of course, but uh, little impact on the stock. Uh, you know, 32% of all new cars sales in Sweden are electric versus nine here. Norway is number one. I didn't know this. Norway is number one. 80% of all new car sales in, in Norway are electric. <laughs> And I had a friend of mine from Europe who, who was visiting, and he said, you guys are so far behind in this whole electric thing. Because we yeah. think we're kind well, of You know cutting. what Norway also probably has? Hmm. A good energy grid. Yeah, they probably, have, <laughs> they probably have some uh, nuclear power plants. Too. They also have they probably do. people, which is the size of Phoenix. Yeah, well, okay. So, so it's a lot easier to do that. That's All the right. reason 80% of the people want electric cars because they're small. No, yeah. like the power okay. grid and stuff. So okay. It's easier to say 80% have it. I mean, well, the whole, the whole EU has been ahead of the America. Yeah, I was surprised at that. But that, because uh, it seems like it always feels Why like, would you be surprised at that? Because it feels like, as Americans, we always feel like we're cutting edge on everything, right? Oh, not, no. They're real big on regulation and all that. Think about how many people we have. Think about how vast our country is. Like Dylan said, if you have a country the size of Phoenix, mm-hmm. You can put in a power grid there over the 10 years that, well, that will fill, uh, suit everybody. The, the power grid here is four times what it was 20 years ago. No, I'm just saying it's, it's a four lot times the size it was 20 years ago. To build that infrastructure quicker mm-hmm. in a country full of Phoenix size in the sense of population. But regardless of what kind of power grid you have, you also have to have people who are wanting to buy electric cars. Well, not a, we we only have about 40% here. Uh, if I'm not Do mistaken. How many socialist. are in Phoenix or how many are in L.A.? How many cars are in L.A.? Compared to Norway, about twenty five percent of LA is is, uh, and we're talking eighty percent, eighty percent. That's a I mean, huge number. number. Right, but if they go more. to the car dealers, a socialist country, they go and say, "I want EV." That's what we're going to do. Maybe they're maybe they're getting a better uh, incentives or something. I mean, you can't force people to buy a certain well, kind of car. No, we're not. We're making them available. We're not. We are trying them. to make people buy EV some cars states, by saying we're going to be done with gas cars by two thousand. Well, and the blue states, those, those, ele- those eleven blue states. <laughs> Michigan just said that twenty thirty, they're done with gas powered cars. Is that insane or what? I mean, it's just when they have Ford there. It's just nuts. It's just nuts. I mean, that can't can't possibly happen. 
Yeah. I mean, well, we've talked about on the show, the energy grid is very important for EVs to make sense. Or otherwise, you're just substituting one problem for another. Well, and then the other thing that, that when you talk about EVs is most of the charging is done overnight when the grid isn't being used. So it really isn't that big a deal. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, really yeah. Important. Again, no, it's really the carbon issue to begin with to create the car in the first place uh, yeah, assuming you're buying the car to save the world um if you're buying the car well, isn't that a, the purpose of evs no the purpose of the evs is to have the greatest time of your life for you that's it's <laughs> not the reason they're putting these regulations in place no i mean and that that'll come with time uh, that'll come with time it's just a matter of getting it perfected yeah i think you can make what 20 hybrid batteries for one ev bat, bat um, battery it takes for all the lithium that's and you have produced. to cross your finger and hope they don't catch fire in your garage no, those are plugins. Those yeah. are plug-in hybrids. No, actually, it was 2020 to 2023, so I don't think they had plug-in in 2020, did they? I don't know. Pretty sure I they honestly did. don't know. Yep. I've got a really interesting EV garage, but Sebastian, you're first. Hello. What's Hi, buddy. Hey. Let's have it. So we got a couple questions in. If you guys need, if you have any questions and you wanted them answered here on the Money Matters show, you could email us at contact at green. Contact, contact at greenbergfinancial.com. There you go. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> contact at greenbergfinancial.com. Yes. Right? Correct. All right. The first question came Did up. I have to write that down? I was writing stuff down for Dean. Should I write it down for you? Uh, I'm going to write it down next week. Don't All right. Worry. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> this question comes in from Curtis. Uh, Bitcoin has had a significant run-up lately. Why do you think this is? Todd, what do you think, buddy? What You're do the you Bitcoin think, man. Todd? We all default to Todd. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's the Bitcoin boy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, digital asset inflows totaled $176 million last week. That reached. That's now reaching a 10-week total of $1.76 billion. That's the highest since October 21. So, obviously... That's the reason. A lot of funds are getting flowed in. Why are the funds getting flowed in? It's because of the potential spot ETF that is getting approved for BlackRock by the SEC. If that happens, this is going to go run even more. And a lot of these people are expecting that to happen. And that's why they're pricing the Bitcoin price higher. On top of that, you have a really bullish setup for 2024 because that's when the halvening of the Bitcoin mining reward happens. Um, for people who don't know what halvening means, it means the reward that's currently 6 point one two five for solving a bitcoin block will be cut in half to about three points something um, that is bitcoin's monetary policy which helps reduce supply which then helps increase price in theory that's everyone's kind of bullish setup for 2024 the happening as well as more inflows from institutional investors by the spot etf and I think there's also a big FOMO going on, you know, the fear there's of missing actually out. actually not. And I was very surprised by that because I saw a chart on Bitcoin interest. Unlike past Bitcoin runs, at least so far, there's no real sign of major public FOMO. What terms. is Bitcoin interest, though? Like, how are you monetizing that? So the amount of people that have Bitcoin-related securities holdings. Okay. So I read an article not too long, long ago that 12% of the public uh, trust Bitcoin. 12%. Oh, just a slightly right. above the number of EVs. I, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder what's the public percentage that trusts the government? Zero. <laughs> okay, so Bitcoin's winning then. Okay. So my, the that. whole idea is that you know if you're not going to have if you don't have FOMO yet, it's just very surprising to me. So I you just have to expect a consolidation at some point. Bitcoin's price it's just it just looks so good on the chart that I don't see it, but it has to. Nothing goes up straight to the to the moon. It just keeps going. All right. Ryan, this one comes in from Ryan. Is there is there an advantage of giving an asset instead of giving cash? That's a gift. 
kind of a loaded question. Yeah, well, it depends. I mean, there, uh, the, the, the the advantage really is to the giver. The advantage is not right. to the receiver. It's like if, the, if the receiver is receiving an asset, they're receiving the cost basis of the giver. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> the gift would come in. I made you my beneficiary for my IRA, so you get the step-up basis when they pass away. Not the IRA. The IRAs don't have step-up. No, no I'm sorry. The yeah, brokerage. the trust, trust brokerage account. But, but it, uh, so let's say you uh, uh, give, give uh, uh, 100 shares of Apple at $190, right, and your cost basis is 20 Right. You got a seventeen thousand dollar capital gain that you've just inherited, and you're just passing. Yeah, it here, here, <laughs> here, have this because I don't want it. Right. So, cash certainly is a much better thing to receive than a gift of securities. Right, All that right. makes sense. If you have any stubborn family members, just give gift them your capital gains. I guess exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we talked on this show about how Europe and the UK they're going to be cutting rates a lot faster than the US. And that's because of their economic activity. Their GDP is just almost negative. I mean, I think actually um, um, the Eurozone contracted this last quarter by just barely 0.1%. They expect them to also contract in the fourth quarter. That technically signals a recession. Also in the UK, their GDP is next to zero. So from the central bank's point of view in both of those regions, they're going to say, hey, this is time where we should start cutting rates to help prop up their um, economy, that's going to be a kind of a read-through, I think, for the U.S. I agree. I agree. Can we get time for a trip to the EV garage? Let's go. Kind of interesting. Uh, interesting report this week. Consumer Reports recently issued a new report that shows electric vehicle owners are reporting far more problems with their vehicles than owners of conventional cars or hybrids. A survey of 330,000 vehicle owners showed that EV owners are reporting nearly double the problems of internal combustion cars, while hybrids reported 25% fewer issues mm. than internal combustion cars. However, however, the report went on to say the problems are largely related to car companies that are new to the EV market. For the first time last week, Consumer Reports is recommending the Tesla Model Y, recommending to buy the Tesla Model Y, which in just four years, has become one of the top-selling cars in the world. That's their SUV. Um, I leased my te- when I leased my Tesla, I figured that Would Tesla's be- been making EVs for 12 years, right? Okay. Everybody else has been doing it for about 12 minutes. Right? So I'm figuring if anybody's got this figured out, it's going to be Tesla. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like I may have been right. Do you drive the Model Y? I do. Hmm. I do. Um, I'm an SUV guy, so whatever the SUV was, then it happened to be the Model Y. Mm-hmm. Um, it also it, it ranked, uh, and I'm not trying to sell Model Ys here, but Model Y also was, uh, Europe has uh, new safety standards for automobiles that were implemented this year. Mm-hmm. And in the initial run through, the number one safest car in that survey was the Tesla Model Y. No. Did you see, there's a video out there with the Cybertruck crash video. No. It is ridiculous how good that is. It crashed straight into it like the wall like they do. Hardly anything. Nothing to the cabin. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't I think it was going like forty or something, thirty. That, and it's bulletproof, right? And it's bulletproof. <laughs> I, is that true? Can't put the we can't figure down. that out, right? I mean they have talked about that and they 
I was watching a report. The body on, is bulletproof. Right. What? The body's bulletproof. The body the actual, is in fact bulletproof. You can opt in I thought the windows you, were too. Because you can no, opt you have in to, to opt get bulletproof into it. windows, oh, yeah. but then you have to. You can't roll them down. There's, there's a trade off there, right? You yeah. can't roll them down. So if you're going to go eat fast food or something, you can't really do that. I'm, I just, I'm <laughs> just dying to see my first, uh, my first Tesla truck on the road because it looks just horrific. I'm actually pretty um, excited to see it. Yeah, but for me, it just looks ridiculous. Uh, it, looks it looks like, like some a futuristic, the, like iRobot type, like out of the Flintstones or, or like the Jetsons or something. Blade Runner 2049 apocalyptic vehicle, yeah, yeah, right yeah. there. So bizarre. Uh, but and maybe in person, Todd, you mentioned that someone saw one in person and said it was kind of cool. That's what people are saying. Is saying it looks terrible in pictures, but it looks better in person. I remember a few short years ago uh, driving around town, and I would see a Tesla, and I go, "Oh, there's one of those Teslas." It was so rare. Mm-hmm. To see a Tesla, now you cannot run an errand without seeing That's a cloud a cloud license plate. Just you can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it's coming. Um, and uh, Tesla, I got some. I read an article earlier this week about that, and it was saying Tesla is by far the most profitable one. There's only a, one other company. It's um, I forgot the name of it. It's uh, only one other profitable company or sorry there's two it's byd and lee auto are the only other two evs that have been profitable like tesla okay but tesla owns 70 percent of that profit you got all the ones throughout the last couple of years from like 2019 nicola fisker rivian lucid neo xping polister canoe lorestown motors all at one point from 2019 to 2021 they had a combined market cap of 470 billion dollars when interest rates were zero percent two percent all that sure today just pumping them up right? today the market cap Combined is fifty nine million, or sorry, fifty nine billion. Okay, it's an eighty seven percent drop. People are getting tired of these non profit, non profitable EVs companies. Well, I want to hear stick with Tesla because it's profitable. Yeah, when I hear Ford and and, and GM struggling with EVs uh, and Stellantis, and they're brand new to it. Mm -hmm. Where do you think? Where was Tesla twelve years ago? They were struggling. Well, not only that, you just look at Toyota and Honda and compare that to Ford and GM, and you can see a, a huge divergence in price performance because of just that. Yeah, well, we know that uh, Tesla made a 180-degree pivot in April when they got the new CEO. They went from, you know, they were all hybrid. You um, mean Toyota? You Toyota. said Tesla? Yeah, what did I say? You said Tesla. Tesla. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Toyota. Uh, back in April when they got the new CEO, they went from uh, all hybrid to pretty much all electric. And uh, it's going to be interesting because they're coming with technology that we haven't seen. What will that do to the market for Teslas if Toyota comes with a a 1,000 mile range that can be charged in 10 minutes. It's just interesting how Toyota did that 180 with one new CEO because, I mean, the founder was the old CEO and president. He was like, we're not going full electric. We're keeping the hybrid. It works well. We'll slowly get into electric. Yep. He retires a month later. Okay, we're going all electric. I'll tell you what. My prediction for 2024 is that EV sales will underperform and hybrid sales will outperform because interest rates won't go down as much so people can't make EVs affordable. And that's been the real problem with EV sales growth going forward is the affordability issue. So I think people are not really looking at that. Like There is obviously increased interest. I don't think that will slow down. The increased ability to buy that car will go down because of interest rates staying and not going down as fast as people expect. People don't have the savings they used to have. People already have a new car if they wanted a new car in the last three years. It just doesn't seem like a good setup for real big sales growth in EVs when you can get the alternative hybrid for a cheaper. The other thing is, is it's a, a matter of numbers, too. Like you go from one to two, that's a 100% increase, right? You go from two to three, that's a 50% increase. You Very go true. from three to yeah, four, yeah. that's a 33% increase. Mm-hmm. So when you hear about sales, uh, the growth of EV 
slowing, that's what's happening. Year over year. It's, it's, yeah, it's year over year. This is going to be the number one year for EV sales ever in history. Uh, so slowing percentage wise, absolutely. You can't grow, you know, one to two, two to three, two to four. You know, the, the example I used, uh, you can only go so far and then, and then the numbers start to get smaller. And I think that's what Dean was saying a little bit about the growth of companies like Microsoft and, yeah. and Apple and that is uh, fair. NVIDIA. Eventually the numbers get so big yeah. that it's hard to, to keep up them. the growth. We've got to pivot into different directions. And I think that's what Apple has done a really good job of. It's just, bringing new ideas to the table, which you didn't think they would. They've done a spectacular job. And VR, probably, yeah, their VR, virtual reality headset, yeah. it looks amazing compared to the Oculus and stuff. And the and craziest thing about those companies, awesome. they have so much dry powder that if you have one of those teenagers that Dean talked about that makes a really cool product, they just buy them out. You know, yeah. we've yeah, seen it so a, often. Yeah. Microsoft, ChatGPT, right? You know? Well, so so, so uh, Apple's kind of the uh, high-tech version of Amazon, right? Yeah, and, pretty uh, much. Yeah. Venture capitalists. And they got so much cash, especially in the lawyers and stuff, that when they get the antitrust and like the pretty much trying to monopolize things, they just yeah. go to lawsuits, buy it anyways, and then it's over. Exactly. They have so much cash on the side to do that stuff. Yeah, we talked a little bit about Rivian. You know, Stifle uh, initiated coverage of them last week with a buy rating. Uh, the, this investment bank thinks industry headwinds will abate over the next few years. They pointed out, and I'd forgotten about this, uh, Amazon has agreed to buy uh, 10,000 Rivian vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming the pickup? No, no, it's um, delivery trucks. Or is it the trucks. SUV? It's delivery trucks. Oh, it's delivery truck. It's actual Rivian makes something we don't see on like, the road right now. You, well, you see it with Amazon trucks. You know those Amazon delivery yeah. trucks? It's like that, but for Rivian, they're going to buy those. Okay, I don't think I've ever seen a Rivian van of any kind. That's what they're buying, though. But that's it's not a pickup truck. They're making it for deliveries. Must be making it for Amazon, and they uh, they are. That's why we haven't seen it yet. I think so. Anyway, we're coming to the end of the fourth segment. We'll be coming back. We've got Jonathan coming, I think, in the last segment, and uh, we appreciate you joining us on this Sunday morning. Without you, this whole thing's kind of pointless. So thank you. (laughs) Talk to you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to the Money Matters Show. I'm Dylan Greenberg. I'm here with Todd Glick, Sebastian Borsini, and we got our constant guest on, Jonathan Sibilia, our state attorney. How you doing? What's happening, guys? How got a lot to talk about today. I'm got got a break. couple things. Yeah, absolutely. How you been? Been good. Doing good. Yeah, yeah you got to talk a little closer into the mic. I know this is... This isn't even your first time. Well, it's my it's a new seat, so Dave got up and walked away. So. Still the same <laughs> type of mic. <laughs> All right, so what you got for us today? Well, I was going to ask you, what, what would you guys do if you won the lottery? What was the well, first thing you would do? Well, how much money? Yeah, how much money is it? Okay, good question. Well, let's just say it's a million. It's a million? That's not a lot. Okay, how about 10 million? Okay. Take a million, do something fun with it, and then put 9 million in different things, investments and annuity for later on. That's the first thing you would do? I'd put 10 million. for fun. <laughs> I put ten million. I probably buy a thirty-year government because that's four percent right now, and then I can get four percent off ten million, which is um, four hundred thousand dollars a year, and I'll just live off four hundred thousand dollars a year and never touch my principal. How about you, Sebastian? We're gonna pay taxes on it, so it's do? not gonna be ten mil. I'm buying tickets to the University of Arizona versus Wisconsin game tomorrow. <laughs> that, what, you gotta pay, get, uh, get wiped clean after that, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but if you get ten mil, is what I'm saying. Is it net ten million or gross ten million? You're asking the wrong that, people this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys are starting to confuse me a little bit. I'm trying to make this a simple question. I'll, maybe a little fun. I'm about to, I'm about to build my financial plan right now. Just yeah, go. Let's go pull out the uh, planning tool. How about uh, post-tax? $10 million. Post-tax, $10 mil? Yeah. Yeah, I'd take a million to go have fun and then put $9 million in, like a 30-year bond or annuity. What kind of fun would you do with it? I don't even know yet. You don't know? No. 
Vegas? Yeah, I'd do something for Vegas. Yeah, I'd probably put $250,000 on um, black. Hopefully it... Hopefully it doubles. Yeah. I'd want to at least stay there the whole week. If I lose, no, I want to put it never going to gamble again. If I win... You've got to have fun with someone. Lifelong you want to put the majority in something smart, that will help you later on in life so you don't just blow through it in three years because you buy 10 cars, two Div- houses. Divvy it up a little bit, right? Yeah, you don't want to put on black and then head home from the... From you got to enjoy it. You win the lottery, you got to enjoy it a little bit. All right. The majority in smart things. But we what would you do as an estate plan? Yeah, we win the lottery. What do we do with it? Well, you know, I look at I look at the winning the lottery sometimes as getting an inheritance. You know, it's not always nice that your parents or somebody close to you passes away and you come to all this money. But the first thing you need to do is just like kind of take a step back, right? You know, don't go out and go crazy. You know, you hear all these horror stories. Um, but you want to like just sit there and like reflect. Okay, here's what's happening. Here's what I didn't have, and here's what I want, and here's what I want to do with it. Right? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and then the next thing to do, call your financial planner. Right? You come into inheritance. Right? Because I came into some money, uh, about thirty thousand dollars that I wasn't expecting uh, a while back. And the first thing I want to do is buy a car. My wife stopped me and she says, "No, let's buy a house." And that's exactly what we did. And that thirty thousand dollars. You know, I bought it at the right time, turned into a couple hundred thousand dollars, mm-hmm. right? So the first thing you want to do is what? Reach out to your financial planners. You guys failed, you know, because you want to party with <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. I said really? financial no, plan. I said, take a <laughs> I said I was building my financial plan. So I said take a portion and put the majority in And secondly, smart. we are the planners, so we're talking to ourselves already. I know. You guys should be a better teacher. I'm not going to reach out to Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I already know what to do. <laughs> Yeah, what do I do? <laughs> but if you do need a financial plan because you just won the lottery, that is a smart thing well, to do. Well, definitely don't put it on black, right? <laughs> Not all of it. We, we would, uh, yeah, if anyone listening would just won the lottery, we will give you a free financial plan, <laughs> just like we give everyone a free financial plan. It is because, I mean, you come into $10 million is gross and you get that money and you're 30 years old. That changes your entire life and you can make it last your entire life if you are smart with it. If you go blow it, $10 million on black in Vegas, you're back to where you were. You could have a life-changing event with this lottery, and it could really change you for the next 30, 35, 60 years. You know? Yeah, and that's even if you inherited $200,000, $300,000, $400,000. If you got that kind of money, you know, you, the first people you should speak to is your state planner and your financial planner. Yep, and, like, and what we can do with that is a financial plan where we can show you what different scenarios would work and show you how it would work if you say you put it into just a regular tax taxable account because you inherited it. Show you how that grows. What if you put it in an annuity and look for income later down in life? What if you do some life insurance because you got a young family? There's different like avenues like that that you could look at with the money you came into. But you also, in a sense, act like a lot of it's not there because yeah. it wasn't there before. If it's a large sum of money, obviously, it's going to impact your lifestyle and may probably make it better. So that will show up in expenses. So what you have to do is go to your plan and put a higher expense number with the extra assets. Doesn't make a difference. Does the plan work? It does. Cool. Can we spend more? You know, you're able to actually find what's the maximum amount you can spend without making a really bad plan. And you can do that with software that we have today in this world. So right. that's why it's so beneficial. Could imagine getting $10 million, you know, 50 years ago, because um, you really are just the knowledge that is around you is what you have. There was no internet. There, you know, there wasn't anything that you could, you, you would go to the library. I guess that's most knowledge you could get afforded to you. So now you have access and resources all around you in terms of, and really here, you, we have everything you need, right? We have the financial planners. You're, you're the estate planner, John. Helps them with that. And we have, you know, tax planners if we need that thing. So, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and I, I, so many times that people, they come into that money and then they just blow it. They do go to Vegas and they do put it on black or they do, you know, uh, uh, you know, pe- people all around them, they start, you know, 
hitting you up for money. Yeah. You know, hey, can I borrow this? Can I borrow that? So you you definitely want to speak with you guys, invest it. You know, I'm going to start a business and it's going to do great. Exactly. Well, sometimes the issue is too that like they make, say they win the lottery and it's $200,000. All of a sudden their mindset is, I made $200,000 this year. That's going to be forever. Mm-hmm. So they start spending it on stuff that they can't necessarily afford for five, 10 years. Like, a, like they go buy a $100,000 car, but they couldn't afford that prior to this lottery. They bought it like they could for 10 years. And that's what five I think. Year payment, whatever. And that's what I think is going on with the economy right now is, you know, so many people had uh, the people had all this money for so long and now they're still spending as though they have it and they're driving up credit card fees. Credit card debt, all time high every month for the last few months. You got savings are draining. It's the doom day, doom days spending. It's the idea that these people think they have the money available because they just came off a period of time where savings rates were at the highest they've ever been. Because Why? People were getting sent money that they didn't work for. Obviously, most people just save that because right. I never, I didn't need it in the first place. So, you know, cash levels were at all time high for households. They're back down to pre pandemic levels now. But you're right, Joan. People are still spending like they're in the pandemic, getting those, you know, stimulus checks, and they're using it on their credit card because they're not getting stimulus checks, right? right? And then we're seeing delinquency, you know, increase because rates increasing. Uh, well, talk. and those credit card rates are. They're getting crazy. They're getting crazy. At the highest average, twenty five percent. We've seen a lot. Yeah, bankruptcy turn is going to be in. The other interesting thing you were t- you bringing up was uh, you know ChatGPT and how that's kind of trying to disrupt the estate planning world and maybe failing at trying to do so. Um, what, what what kind of some of the stories you've been hearing in that space? Well, you know the the area of the law I'm in is very state specific. Okay, so I mean outside the tax, that's federal, but you know, when it comes to, you know, wills, trusts, probate, that's all state specific. So everybody's in every state's got their own law, federalism. <clears throat> and what's happening now is that people are trying to avoid having to spend any money on attorneys or, or uh, you know, at least consult with one, right? And so there, it's all these DIYs. So they got the chat GBT, which is pretty incredible software. But, you know, uh, the uh, I was reading a blog or an article recently. They were saying that somebody said, create a will for me for all 50 states, and they created 50 wills, and they were basically identical. Can't have that, okay? Um, and one, if you have too many mistakes or if you have one mistake, that will is going to get thrown out and we're going to probate. Or, well, you'll probably be in probate, but now, you know, we're causing problems. Uh, let's say you wanted everything to go to, you know, your cousin Sal and not to uh, Aunt Loretta. Well, you're kind of in a little bit of trouble because if the will gets thrown out, we're going, we're having to follow what's called intestacy uh, statute. And that basically means is the, the closest, closest heir to you will inherit everything and you no longer have a will that will stand up in court. So long story short, you know, DIY is not always a good thing because you, if you want to avoid spending two fifty to $500 on a will, you may cause all sorts of uh, ruckus, after you pass away and your beneficiaries are now officially fighting and something that could have been avoided by spending 500. Now you're spending five, 10, $15,000 in turning fees. Yeah. I mean, it's tough on people trying to think that it's just a piece of paper that you're paying for, but at the end of the day, it's just like a financial plan. Yeah, sure. It's printed on a piece of paper, but it's so much more than that. It's the conversations you had with the client beforehand. What are your values? What are your visions for Mm -hmm. what the next generation is going to do with this money and how they're going to inherit it? Mm -hmm. That is really what the piece of paper you're paying for 
Mm-hmm. That's how it goes so much deeper. The, you know, same thing in ours in the financial plan. Yeah, if you just look at the financial plan, you know, you know, it's not a lot. But if you realize everything that we just went through and covered and, and you know, the peace of mind that we instilled in our clients by doing so, that's mm-hmm. worth way more than you could ever describe. Yeah. So it, it's it's really important for people to understand that a piece of paper in estate planning isn't just a piece of paper. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, you, when you come to an attorney, you, you, we sell our time and our knowledge. And, you know, it's, it's something that we've developed. And, you know, there's a lot of things that change yearly. You know, the laws change in Arizona uh, every year when it comes to wills and what's available and what's not. And, you know, uh, if, you know, with the state bar as attorneys, we get offered – from the state bar uh, updates to the probate manuals because there's updates every year. And if you make a mistake or, um, you know, uh, it could uh, delay distribution. And I'll tell you right now, from my experience, one of the worst things you can do is delay a distribution to the beneficiary because Mm. then they're lawyering up. And now everybody's, it's costing everybody money. Yeah. Well, we're running out of time, but I wanted to bring up one point because this question came up today in a financial planning meeting about estate planning, how um, if you had a spouse that, you know, you you developed a trust, the spouse passed away, and now you have the home that you have, should you have the spouse that passed away taken off the deed? How does that go about if if it's already in the trust? Is it not needed to be done so? How does that work for people who... In Arizona? Yeah quick and easy way of doing it would be, you know, if they're on the deed, we would do basically, um, you know, you file a death certificate with the recorder's office and then uh, a renunciation basic, basically, you know, taking, you know, updating the uh, certificate of trust, just saying, okay, this, the spouse passed away. Uh, the surviving spouse basically is the sole trustee. Okay. And then there's another, mm-hmm. uh, other document w- that we would, uh, record as well, not record, excuse me, but prepare, uh, basically, um, the sole trustee assuming their rights. Okay. Uh, there is a little bit of logistics there. However, uh, it's as simple as that. Um, recording the, the, you know, if you have two trustees on a deed, the first thing you would probably want to do is record, record the death certificate with the recorder's office. So, all right. Well, John, we appreciate your time. Looking forward to having you on the show again. Um, as we always say, if you want to get in contact with John, feel free to give us a call at this office, 520-544-4909. If you ever want a free financial plan as well, give us a call. Yep, give us a call. We'll be back for the final segment of the Money Matters Show. Say it's only a Welcome back to the Money Matters Show. My name is Todd Glick. I'm here with Dean Greenberg, Dave Sherwood, and Dylan Greenberg. Just so everyone is aware, we do have that federal employee seminar coming up on the 13th on the Wednesday. Um, there are very limited seats available at this point. So if you want to have the, um, if you want to try to sign up, go to our website. You can go to the federal employees page on our website, and you can at the bottom of the page, click register now. It gets you directed directly to the Eventbrite site where you will have all the information about the event, and you can sign up there. Yep. And it's a seminar for federal employees getting ready to retire, probably within the next ten years or so. It goes through everything that has to do with your retirement in depth. And comes in with a free need. financial plan as well afterwards to incorporate those benefits into the plan and show how it will bridge your income gap through retirement as well with Social Security and other things like that. Well, you sound so enthusiastic. Well, thank you. You know, I'm This thing is really, great. 
They get a day off. They can get pay. a paid day off. They get lunch. They get all this information. And guess what? They learn how to get into retirement stress-free and not ever have to worry about it. Yep. Well, you find somebody in from Texas or what is it? Louisiana. Louisiana. I mean, come on. He's done these seminars all over the country, helped thousands of federal employees get ready for retirement to help them know what their options are. There's a lot. Seems to me like the Greenberg Tavern is putting out the last call, right? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Much. I mean, in, it's three days from now. Yeah, it's pretty much pretty much three days from now. It's going to be over. So. Yep. <laughs> you know, the, there's an interesting chart I saw where it said Chapter 11 bankruptcy filings at the highest level since 2010. That's a 2010. That's a silent stat you haven't heard. Wow. You'd think that'd be on the on the news. And and the companies that are on borderline companies, uh, borderline companies to be on. Okay, so I got wait for your phases. U.S. companies that are on the on the border of bankruptcy is at the highest level as well that we've ever seen. Where do you get these numbers? Uh, well, this specific one is from Bloomberg Opinion. Yeah. The previous one. We got booming title loans. We got booming uh, yeah. bond store. Yeah. We got Campbell Soup stock rallying. Campbell Soup stock is usually your sign that there's there's trouble in the water. Because right? they gave market outlook as a yeah. good one. That's everything but has dropped. Global sales growth is slowing again. So if you just look in America, you might see Goldilocks. But if you look at the world, you don't. No, that's that's true. And that's, that's probably true. why he still feels he's not cutting interest rates right now. But the markets think he has to. Maybe the markets feel there's going to be a problem, and Powell doesn't think there's going to be a problem. Yeah, you see that in the bond market. It's just it's so hard to understand why stocks continue to rally higher. But and, they do. I mean, they forget there's a war going on right. in the Middle East. Uh, I mean, I guess there's still a war going on in Ukraine because they keep asking for more money. Um, you almost wonder if these wars get set up and then. We give them money, and then the money comes back to... Well, it was a really interesting hard-line stand that the Republicans put in this week where they said, no, we're not going to do any more funding for Ukraine if we don't have a border plan. Right. And that was the first time they really stood up and mm-hmm. said, no, we're not doing this. Biden threw a fit. He says, you guys, you don't realize how the bad, the dire problem in Ukraine is? You need to get this passed, and the Republicans are staying firm. Well, yeah. is it because people are the saying, listen, you tell us we got to help uh, save the people of Ukraine, but you're not helping the saving people of America. We need to we need to protect America just like we got to protect Ukraine. Don't talk about protecting another country until you protect ours. You know what's crazy is that we're still trying to help Ukraine and the Ukraine's still at war and Putin's getting nominated for Time Person of the Year. Is that unbelievable? What he was? Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't. Taylor I, Swift. Ended I don't up even winning. think about Time. I, 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 I thought it was just a kind of joke. I it was I mean, like a spoof. It was Taylor Swift, Trump's prosecutors. Yeah. Uh, Xi Jinping, yeah, how do you say his name from China, and Putin, as and well as Taylor was, uh, Swift, and the Hollywood and... strikers. Those were the nominees. <laughs> Taylor Swift won. <laughs> Thank goodness. I mean, well, Putin. Can you imagine? The fate of, of Ukraine. Guys. I started a war. I don't think he's time necessarily give it to Taylor Swift. It did. Yeah. I don't think Person of the Year always means like it's the best person of the year. I think it's really? like it's know. the most influential person. But it kind of implies How do you that know? it's important. Because why would you? Yeah, why would you? Make they didn't put Trump person? on there. It's pretty influential. Or, or wait, of course, they, they put Trump's prosecutors on there. Of <laughs> yeah. course, that's what they put on there. It, it is more of the most influential person. It might be that. Than the it's best just like person. you're in the news a lot. And I'm kind of thinking. for good people, good things. I'm, I'm kind of thinking the, the war in Ukraine and the war in Israel is over because I'm watching the Trump News Network and they're not talking about it anymore. 
They're talking about Trump. Trump News Network. Yeah, the CNN, right? The TN. Well, now, TNT, well, now right? they're the trying Trump to News, do is just rip them apart. TNN, Trump News Network. Yeah, now they're trying to go back and rip them apart, and you know, and and everything else. And it's not going to happen, guys. The bottom line is, is that America will be in big trouble if these numbers stay the way they are, and somehow Biden wins the election. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they're, they're, I won't stand for it. I don't care what people want to call me next time. I will not stand was, for that. It was so funny. I was listening on this uh, on CBS. They came out with a report saying in Georgia, uh, the, the the presidential race was won by twelve thousand votes, and uh, of the um, um, uh, I guess claims that the the voter that the votes that were used to win were illegitimate. They looked back on it and they said only twelve thousand were found to be illegitimate. <laughs> that's it huh that's about what took to win it yeah. so what <laughs> but it's, it is funny as we look at the economy there's companies in the same business that are doing well and some doing poorly right depends on how you're managed yeah. i saw a report uh, uh on friday that uh, restoration hardware they now call it rh right a luxury right uh, uh furniture store uh dropped uh, excuse me was was down to five percent excuse me up five percent for this year versus williams sonoma that's up, which is Pottery Barn. Yeah. It's up seventy four percent this year. The stock, wow, and five percent. And and R and H was down fourteen percent on Friday after they missed the third quarter and made cautious comments. This is after William Sonoma, similar business, right, produced a great quarter and had positive comments. So, what's yeah. wrong with this picture? I can see a couple industries that are doing that. We yes. talk about the EVs, the hybrid, and, and absolutely, you know, yeah, companies company. with more cash or not cash. You yep. know, how much they're able to do developments and R and R and things like that. So, yeah, it's a really interesting company struggling and other companies doing well in the same in the same darn industry. Yeah. How about how about this week? U of A wanting to raise ticket prices on basketball and football twenty five percent to pay to pay for their mess up. Yeah. That's I mean, not the way you do it. No, it's just hard to understand. I have no thing. problems giving more money to football and basketball as long as it stays with football and basketball. Yeah, if it, if it would. Okay. We do not know they and really come clean on where the $200 million plus shortage has come from. I mean, seriously, our, our tax dollars go to these schools, the state universities, Okay. Why don't we know? Why isn't someone accountable? Why isn't them? Why aren't they doing some type of forensic accounting to find out exactly how it happened? Not to blame someone so much as not to have it happen again. Well, you have to have an audit. Yeah. So what? Who did the audit? I have no idea. Did they have an audit? Why is it not public? How do you get in that kind of trouble when you have that kind of revenue? I mean, these these are cash cows. Well, they're going to blame it for it. years. The was what? it for a five few years, years that they messed up this whole? They, they allocated they thought, too much yeah. to the sports programs because they thought they could. It wasn't and just sports programs; it was other things as well. Was it? So they just they just didn't the know budget. that they were spending forty five million more than they could each year for five years. So they essentially were spending money they didn't have that they didn't. Yeah, exactly. In the finance, but they weren't accounting for it. Well, it's yeah. So whoever's doing the books was the one that needs to be sued, or the firm, well, the CPA firm up? that did the audit. And they didn't find the issue. That CPA firm should be sued. Or somebody hiding it, not knowing it. You know what I mean? Who knows? Maybe did, did someone make a mistake and they were just not putting it down? They're getting away with one or two years. Oh, we can get rid of it away with for three more years. But before you start asking for more, come clean on what happened so it doesn't happen anymore. 
We got a top twenty rated football team and the number one rated basketball right. team, and and we're going to shut them down. <laughs> yeah, you got to be very they're riding careful. that, and that's why they're like, "Hey, we can charge twenty five percent. Nobody's going to care." Listen, they have to put more money into the football program. I know that, and pay more to the basketball coach if you want to keep them with the NIL and everything else. That's if you want to have it. Now, my big question is: Okay, is it more beneficial? to get that extra money and give it to football and basketball that supports all the other sports? Or is it better going ahead and, and, uh, with that and shutting down a lot of these programs that are not making money? You're going to have a hard time doing that. Why? Title IX. Well, not only, I'm not talking about sports programs. I'm talking yeah. about classes. Only classes? That we don't need. Yeah. Well, the, the, the reason I would say push back on that, Dean, is a lot of things that you'll be researching will not be lucrative. They're not going to be valuable until years and years after. I mean, if you're researching... I'm not talking about research. Okay, and a lot of those research people write grants. We have clients that work at the U of A that write grants and get grants. Yeah, but they're also funded by the university. You're talking about a lot of these woke programs. Right, of course I am. Yeah. You know, where where they keep adding this stuff for what reason? Mm -hmm. All right? While they're taking money from the other people that don't believe in those programs. There's a real problem that's going to happen. You know, and, you know, what's going to happen is people that give money to those fo- the football and basketball and it goes to, and they find out it's going to other programs, they're not going to give money anymore. They can't ask for sports to pay for other stuff. Yeah. They just can't. Run, run the sports department then by itself. And that's Make it its, big, own, its own division, its own entity. Yeah, and that's your sure. big revenue producer at a university is, yeah. uh, other than tuition, is football and then basketball second. Yeah, um, yeah. The smartest thing to do is take that twenty five percent, make U of A better on the football and basketball side. You bring even more money in and use that money to fund exactly. Everything. Yeah. Well, we'll see how they do at the Alamo Bowl against Oklahoma of all people. They might need to hire someone from ASU accounting or something. No, I don't you. know. Well, man. there's plenty of people available because they're leaving by the left and right. And I know a lot of people say, <laughs> "Don't get upset about this." When people are starting to start not playing in the bowl games because they're worried about their NFL career, I understand, and I was full behind that before they started getting paid. Yeah, The NIL is now paying these players to go play for football. Well, as a fan, as a university, and coaches that get rewarded for bowl victories, you need to step up as a player. Now you're an employee. You're yep. getting paid. You're an employee. You, pay in, you play in the bowl game. Because when you make the NFL... Then they say, I'm not going to play in a bowl game, but if I make the NFL, I'm going to go ahead and give you $100,000 back. How about that? How about something given back to the fans and the school and the coaches? How about something like that rather than the fans doing it and then comes bowl time, our best lineman decides he's not going to play. Yeah. I don't like it. All right, we'll be back next week where your money matters. Be happy, be healthy, and let's all be profitable. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.